0: People come back. Come back from where? From where they go when they die. I had a sister. Her name was Alice.
1: What was she like? She liked animals. She'd find wild rabbits and bring them home. I love you! She went missing... she was only seven i'm sorry
0: i don't understand what's going on it's clear there's something troubling me i don't want to talk about it just pretending to be alice
1: i am alice this isn't a game you don't like me. Make me hide and hide. you not little thing. You're a good guy. What's where? You're a good girl. everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike, and joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? Greetings and salutations,
2: confused children. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing, Mike?
1: Pretty good. I'm in the middle of a four-day holiday weekend, so i um, got a chance to get out and take my kids downtown for a little bit.
0: I think all lunch. of us, Mike. You're not that special. <laughs>
1: Oh, you took your kids to downtown for lunch? Okay, Uh, that's good to know.
0: I took myself Um, out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but there's a lot of people working today, actually, unfortunately. Uh, Yeah, my wife didn't get it off. Um, But, uh, what else was I going to say? Yeah, uh, other than that, just same old (laughs) summer temps going crazy. And... It sounded like war again in the neighborhood because fireworks every single night.
2: So, uh, uh, poor dogs.
1: Yeah, it'll be over in a couple of days, but it's that familiar sound when the sun goes down. <laughs> uh, all right, also with us, it's Don and Ellie. What's up, Don?
0: Hey, what's going on? Always happy to be here.
1: All right. Well, the movie this week is actually a Netflix movie and uh it's called run rabbit run and i don't know i don't have much lead up to it i i, I remember hearing about it a while ago and i think I, I can't remember if i saw a trailer just a write-up on it and kind of forgot about it but then uh was it venom that reminded us that it was on there now like, maybe um but, uh, yeah, with no movie in the theater this past weekend, or no new horror movie, I guess, uh, we decided to pick a Netflix one. And uh, it's interesting because it the last I checked, I think it was still sitting at the number one movie on Netflix. Of course, that doesn't yes. mean like, the number one best, but just the number one watched. So uh, we'll see uh, what we thought about the movie that has reached that high of a rank. So uh, the synopsis, Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird. It's like I don't know. It's kind of a weird, you know. We'll figure out um, what our thoughts on it are soon. But regardless, it's, it's kind of a weird one to have reached like the top spot. But uh, anyways, we'll get into it probably more of that soon. It probably
2: indicates a slow release season for Netflix if something like this is their number
1: one movie. Could be, yeah. Sometimes things go viral, too, and it just makes people watch it regardless. Exactly. I curiosity. mean curiosity. So.
0: Exactly.
2: I mean, movies like Bird Box and Bright were also the number one movies on Netflix for a while, and we all know how good those were.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, the synopsis is as follows. So let's start with Sarah Snook because I think that's the name of the actress, but the character is also Sarah, so I'll just say Sarah. Sarah plays a fertility doctor who believes firmly in life and death, but after noticing the strange behavior of her young daughter, she must challenge her own values and confront a ghost from her past. Uh, firmly believes in life or death. That's an interesting statement because I think that's yeah. everybody, but I don't know. Unless it means like like once you're dead, you're dead. Maybe, that's Maybe she believes in the range. afterlife, but that's weird. Yeah, perhaps. Um, so yeah, this one... Uh yeah actually no I had nothing to say It's soon as horror thriller so um I'll kick it to Venom to start off our general thoughts what did you think of Run Rabbit Run
2: Wow this movie was long and dull yeah uh, holy shit I I you guys know I love my slow burns I absolutely love a good slow burn. But the whole point of a good slow burn is that you get a big payoff at the end, and we did not really get a big payoff in this film. We get a reveal, like a revelation, but it's the most uh, obvious reveal I think I've seen all year. Like literally a half hour into this movie, I could have told you what the reveal was and what this, you know. Um, this big event from the past that's been haunting Sarah, what exactly it is. Um, Yeah. I mean, there are some things to like about this movie. I mean, Sarah's performance is pretty good. Um, Her young daughter, uh, Mia, Mia slash Alice. I'll leave it at that for now, but yeah, um, she was, that was a pretty good performance. Um, And I say pretty good. I'm not saying great or stellar because there were a couple of moments um especially there's one scene in the movie where Mia yells I hate you and slaps her mother and it just felt really really forced it didn't feel natural so um but yeah overall some decent performances um unfortunately like I said it's just this movie takes a long time to really get to anything i mean the whole half the first half hour of the film you get nothing even remotely horror um just a lot of character development a lot of situation development um, things like that. I mean, yeah, I, I I struggle to find some good stuff to talk about with this movie. I will say though, this movie does have one shining light, and it is its score. This score is spectacular. I thought this score was amazing. There were multiple times in the film I actually rewound it so that I could hear the music again because it just it was so well made. It, it's it's almost constantly playing throughout the movie. There's very few quiet scenes in it. And I just found the music to really, really drive the point home. Um, Some great transitional music from scene to scene to set up kind of the tone of the next scene. So just a really, really good job done with the score. I I thought it was just masterfully done. Ultimately, that's about the only thing this movie does masterfully. I mean, the cinematography is okay. You've got some beautiful, you know, Australian scapes to look at, but not nearly as pretty as with a lot of Aussie horror that we've seen in the past. I'm not even sure if this movie actually is Aussie horror. It's set there. The characters are Australian, but if it's actually an Aussie production, you'd probably have to look it up, but... um, Yeah, this movie felt a lot like Tin and Tina from earlier in the year where there was promise. Uh, There was a lot of promise and, you know, potentially it could have ended in a fucking over-the-top bonkers third act that would be really, really satisfying. But much like Tin and Tina, I, I started losing interest by the third act. And then when we get our reveal, it's like, no shit. I, I could have told you that 45 minutes ago. It's, it's like, what is the point of this reveal? And then we get the reveal and we get no explanation as to why it happened. You know, obviously there was an event from Sarah's past causing her a lot of trauma. Now we see the flashback, we get the revelation, but then there's no reason given what so fucking ever. And it just doesn't make sense. We don't really learn a whole lot of about Sarah and Alice when they were young, how they interacted. You know, we, we didn't get to see any happy times. Literally all we see is, you know, the, the event, if you will, I'll leave it at that for now. But yeah, th- this movie is just a lot of promise that just didn't deliver. Like I said, if you're, if you're, if you're looking for some good storytelling and some good performances, I guess the movie does have that. Like I said, I was engaged with the story for more than half the film, but it's like, once you understand, you know, where the ending is going and, and then they leave you with a very ambiguous ending too. That's the other thing. Like the very last shot still leaves you with questions, you know, um, which I, I won't even pose those questions now. Cause it might be a little bit of a spoiler, but yeah, Overall, this movie was fairly well made, well acted, well directed. But, you know, it's a very just slow, methodical story that it just in my opinion just doesn't have that big payoff. You know, it doesn't have that St. Maud ending where you sat for 80 minutes with this little story and then you get that big payoff ending. And here it's like, no, what, what the filmmakers consider a payoff ending is is what most seasoned horror fans would already be expecting. Like, we already know it's coming. You have to give us more. Give us an explanation why it happened. Give us repercussions on, you know, how this is affecting Mia now. That's the other thing. Even with Mia, there's unanswered questions left at the end of the movie. You know, was she being possessed? Was she a reincarnation? Just things like that that the movie just doesn't explain. They leave it out in the ether, and it's up to the viewer to figure it out. And ultimately, this story is not good enough for me to want to spend extra time to try to figure out my own ending or figure out what all the events in the film actually meant. It just it didn't engage me enough for me to want to do that. So, yeah. This is a pretty middle-of-the-road effort for me. It's just, it's a little too slow. The movie's only an hour and 40 minutes, minutes, which doesn't sound like a very long movie, but since it felt about two and a half hours, I think an hour and 40 was a little too much for this one. So, yeah, just, you know, a a fairly well-made movie, you know, good performances, but I just don't think it's going to do a whole lot for genre fans. That's it for now.
1: All right, uh, kick it over to Dawn. What were your thoughts on the Run Rabbit Run?
0: Uh, yeah, not much different. Um, I, too, was bored stiffless at this movie. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, I had pretty much a lot of the same recollections. Um, although I went more with Clock than Tin and Tina, but I mean, I can, I, I can, I can see. I I can see where you're coming from with Tin and Tina, but I mean, my first instinct, maybe because it was the mother with fertility issues, I think I kind of went more towards clock than I did Tina, but either way, it's still not a bad call. I can see where you're coming from with that one, but yeah, the fact that my first instinct was to automatically think of another movie that um, I don't know if I liked it even more than this one kind of tells you where I stand with this.
1: Because,
0: yeah, it's just all built up with no payoff. And, uh, I mean, it's not even, you know, at a fast enough pace to really keep my interest. Everything that happens is just played out. It just so slowly and so just dull and drab. It doesn't really have much effect on me. I, I don't really see a lot of scares in here. So it's even worse off in that there's no real... Motive to keep going with what's with what's happening if you've already guessed it, and that was kind of my problem because I probably figured it out a little bit later than Venom did, but I, I still knew pretty much where this was going, and yeah, I, I checked out pretty quickly,
1: and uh, yeah, I
0: started you know playing on my tablet and started doing you know other stuff instead of you know paying attention to the film, which yeah. I, it it is good it you know it it looks competent it doesn't you know have that low budget you know stink that a lot of people would you know associate with it it's fairly well made competent you know it's competent enough to you know look good but yeah even still there's just nothing here um i, I mean the story is just a cliche of everything we've covered before more trauma porn and more grief porn go fuck yourself
1: and mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, just ugh, I I really felt myself losing interest the the longer this went on and hour and forty minutes for this kind of story yeah no thanks I I think this one's skippable I, I don't see much interest unless you're looking to pad your numbers um but yeah I I, I don't have much else to add to this I mean I, I'm kind of in the same boat it's just long dull drawn out and. The only real uh, positive I can say about it is, you know, the technical qualities, which, I I mean, I I don't really give a crap about any of that stuff. So, yeah, not much else for me over here.
1: All right. So, um, for me, I would say, like, usually psychological horror is... Like in my wheelhouse, especially like in the last ten years, I don't know why it's just started to become one of my preferred subgenres. But the problem with this one is, like, like it's already been stated, it it has a lot of um, elements of superior movies, and I, I think I'm right online or right in line with Venom's uh, comment about when a movie. But the movie almost makes it abundantly clear what the conclusion is going to be by the second act as far as, like, oh, I see what's going on here. You're not – I don't know if they miscalculate – like, when they wrote the script, they miscalculated that it would be more of a mystery by the third act. But I feel like in a, a second act, you firmly kind of have a grip of what's going on. So with that said, that doesn't necessarily ruin a third act. But what that means is there's a burden on the third act to, like, really – take that knowledge that the viewer likely has and do something with it like over the top or throw something we're not expecting you know throw a sideways kind of turn in the story but the problem is it doesn't do any of that it it gives you kind of like the ending you're half expecting and we also get a lack of like context and information like Venom said like we we, we kind of get like we do get like milder Very brief flashbacks to kind of show you like this is the actual specific event, but we don't get any context of why or with the setup or what kind of relationship there was in general. I felt like we could have done um, a little more with that, especially um, the mom. The well, I get you could either call her the mom character or the grandma character. The one that's the doctor says is getting like dementia. Because I would have liked to see like the fam, like what what went on with like the family after the uh, the event that we're referring to happened, like a little bit more to like set up why the mom is the way the mom is uh, the rest of her life, like what set everything into motion after the event. Um, but we don't get a lot of that. And I, I agree with Venom. I think the score is probably the strongest part. The problem is the score sets you on the path a lot of times thinking that something more grand is about to happen than it actually does because, you know, any horror fan is is familiar with, like, your audible cues that a lot of horror movies tend to give you. And this one, it does the audible cues, but then, like, you don't just, you, you just don't get much uh, after it. Because um, I threw it on today just to kind of refresh my memory. And, yeah, the score did stick out, but then the lack of, like, actual film stuff happening during the score also stuck out, (laughs) I guess there's like a give and take there. Um, I, you know, I I can't, me personally, maybe the difference is I I wasn't necessarily bored with the movie. I didn't find the story dull. I just found like the, they just didn't do enough with it. Like, if, if they could have come away with a better third act once we kind of have put together most of the pieces of the puzzle, I would have been like, okay, you you delivered with the end of the movie, but I just feel like they they went the most mild kind of conclusion you could go, and yeah, and I I think it was Venom that said there's just elements of that final kind of scene or that sequence that there's too many questions about. Um, as far like we obviously see what's happening, but I don't know, like uh, I, I I got I got some definite questions about like. Why, yeah. why, why it was happening like that, and why a certain character seemed powerless in that moment. But um, I guess we can get to that once we hit spoilers. But yeah, I, I maybe uh, maybe I'll put it like this: out of the three of us, maybe I thought the movie had the most potential about halfway through. It, but I by the end of it, I still found it to be you know nothing more than like a middle of the road kind of attempt at a psychological horror. So I'll leave it at that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's about the best you could really say is middle of the road, psychological horror, psychological thriller, really. I mean, horror, I I guess. I mean, there's a ghost, but is there a ghost? I mean, again, the movie leaving you with so many questions. Um, you know, cause when I first watched it, I didn't look at this as an unreliable narrator story. I kind of took everything I was seeing, um, as gospel, if you will. But then, uh, after I sat with it for a couple of hours, I started to think, well, wait a minute, maybe this is an unreliable narrator. Maybe this woman, you know, uh, just, uh, d- you know, different ideas started to pop up into my head, which I, I don't really want to say right now cause they could lead to spoilers, but yeah, just. I you know the, the, I do agree with Mike the, the the movie had potential I was on board more than halfway through even when I figured out you know what the big reveal was going to be I still had faith that the movie would still maybe give us some kind of big finale after that revelation and we kind of didn't you know we did get a finale. But was it a finale? I mean, again, like I said, the movie leaves you with more uh, questions than answers, and that's unfortunate, you know? If I'm going to spend an hour and 40 minutes with a movie, I don't want to be thinking about it, you know, a day later, like, what the fuck was that? Wait, what did that mean? What did that represent? Blah, blah, blah. It took me almost a day and a half to figure out, and, and, and not even to figure out, but just to come up with my theory about the rabbit. Like, why is the rabbit there? You know, like, they don't really even get into that in the movie. The movie is called Run, Rabbit, Run, and there is a a literal rabbit in the movie, but we get very little explanation, though, you know, like I said, I think based on a conversation that Mia had with her mother in the car uh, going to visit their grandmother one day, I think I have an idea of what the filmmakers were going with. But again, the title Run, Rabbit, Run just leaves me scratching my head a little bit. As I've already said, you know, some good performances. You know, it's not a bad movie necessarily. It's just a movie that's really going to hit with certain kind of audiences. And unfortunately, it sounds like the three of us are not part of that audience. You know, Mm -hmm. we want to see, you know, a little bit more action. You know, uh, you know, at at least two of us are gore hounds. uh, So obviously, you know, we're always down for more blood and guts. But I, I also recognize when a movie doesn't necessarily need the blood and guts, But this one needed something. Maybe not necessarily extra violence, but maybe some more revelations. Give me a little bit more backstory. Like Mike said, you know, we get the – We get the whole thing with grandma having dementia, but we never spend any time with her like in a flashback or something before her dementia. You know, what was she like? What, you know, did that, did that dementia maybe start to surface early in her life and maybe it affected Sarah a little bit. Maybe it affected her relationship with her sister. I mean, like I said, there's just so many unanswered questions with this movie. And like I said, For some people, this movie is going to work. I have seen some fairly positive reviews for this movie. I've also seen ones that kind of match what we're doing right now, where, you know, a lot of us are saying it's a slow burn with no reveal. It takes a little long getting to where exactly it's going. And then once it gets to where it's going, it's like, where are we? You know, there's just a little too much ambiguity with this one. And I've said it before. I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand more. I don't mind ambiguity with my endings, especially with horror movie endings. I consider myself a mildly intelligent horror movie viewer. So I'm okay plugging in my own potential ending or interpretation of said ending. But this one just leaves so much that it's like, what? What? I feel like there's more story to tell, and there is. There absolutely is more story to tell, not necessarily in a sequel. I'm saying this movie, there should have been more story. There should have been a little bit more to set up why Sarah is the way she is, because ultimately Sarah is made out to be the big protagonist of the film throughout the whole thing, and then you get the reveal at the end, but you, st- the movie still doesn't really go full circle with, you know, Sarah potentially being the antagonist, you know what I mean? It's like they give us a taste and then that's kind of it. And then the movie just kind of ends with that very ambiguous ending, which, like I said, there there's going to be multiple interpretations of that ending, what it actually represents. Did it actually happen? Is this all in Sarah's head? You know, just there's so much and it, it's just a little too much, guys. You know, if the filmmakers, if any of the filmmakers were to be listening to this, I would tell them, you know, good job, good effort, but got to give me a little bit more story. I, I want to walk away think knowing that I understand the majority of the film. And unfortunately, I walk away from this one not truly understanding what the hell I just watched. You know, is Sarah evil? Is she just confused? Is she, you know, mentally challenged in some way? You know, is she just a schizo? Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? And <laughs> it, it just left me with too much. I wanted too much more. And it, it, sometimes it's a good thing to leave people wanting more, but not when it's more explanation. <laughs> more movie, yeah, but more explanation, no. So, yeah, I mean, there's not really a whole lot to go over with this one in, as far as spoilers go. Hell, I would imagine some people who haven't even seen the movie, just by listening to us talk, can probably already figure out what the uh, big reveal of the film is. And, again, that's unfortunate, but, you know, it didn't affect a movie like The Stylist, where most of us kind of saw the ending coming, but it was still a spectacular film and a great ending, even though we saw it coming. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, what are you going to do? So, yeah, if no one else has anything spoiler-free to discuss, I guess we'll get into this Fairly short walkthrough. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take you through the uh, immense detail that this movie goes through and the long shots of just staring at a character who's staring out into space. Just yeah, it's a little too much. But anyway, our movie opens and we are introduced to Sarah. She is a fertility doctor. She's, um, you know, at a clinic uh, taking care of her latest patient. Uh, later in the film, we meet her daughter Mia. We find out that Sarah is divorced. Uh, She is now a single mom or a divorced mom. Um, Her husband or her ex-husband, I should say, has already remarried um, to another woman who also already has a child from a previous marriage. And they kind of drop the bomb on Sarah that, you know, they're going to be trying for a child soon, which, you know. Uh, obviously, with Sarah being a divorced woman, there's always there's always that hope when you're a divorced person, not just women, but if, when you're when you're a broken up or divorced person, there's always that little you know light at the end of the tunnel that maybe you know your partner will come to their senses and you know come back to you. But obviously, with the revelation that they're trying for a kid, that's you know it obviously depresses Sarah greatly. As I said, she has a daughter, Mia, who is – lately seems to be having some behavioral issues. Um, You know, what seemed like a very normal child, uh, you know, for the first part of the movie, uh, basically starts to get very sullen, very short with her mother, um, you know, things like that. Getting an attitude, basically, a little bit of sass mouth, if you will. And uh, we also find out that mom has a kind of broken relationship with her mother, Joan, Um, We do find out very early in the film that her father recently passed away, very recently, uh, right before the start of the film. And this was a this was a guy that everybody seemed to love. Mia misses him. Sarah misses him. Obviously, Joan being his wife, uh, she misses him greatly. But uh, after his death, uh, Sarah and her mom have kind of a strained relationship. Sarah actively ignores her phone calls. Uh, Phone calls coming from the retirement home where she's staying. She's ignoring those phone calls, blah, blah, blah. She just doesn't really want – it seems like she doesn't want a relationship with her mother. But we never – like I said, for the first three quarters of the movie, we don't understand why. Joan doesn't – yeah, I mean Joan has dementia, yes, but she doesn't come off like she was a bad person or an abusive mother or anything like that. Um, and she wasn't. I mean, you know, we eventually, you know, do find out a little bit more about Joan and Sarah's relationship. We find out later in the film why it is that Sarah is uh, kind of avoiding her. And obviously it's a very shitty reason. But, you know, there it is. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit and basically say that eventually at one point in the film, Mia starts to tr- uh, basically tell her mother, that's not my name. Mia's not my name. And her mom is instantly like, "What, what do you mean? That, that's the, you're my daughter. That's the name I gave you." And then Mia's is like, "No, you're not my you're not my mother," which of course is you know giving Sarah stress. Like, you know, what, who is who is this little child that I gave birth to who suddenly thinks I'm not her mother? And eventually, she mentions the name Alice, and this is kind of the first thing that bothers me about Sarah because once we get the revelation later on about her family and everything else. The instant that she heard her daughter say the word Alice, it should have been a red flag to Sarah, but instead she just kind of blows it off like, "Ah, who's Alice? I don't know. Ha ha ha. You know, which is just one of the many things that this movie is frustrating, you know. Um, the elements of this movie that are frustrating. It's just a little too much. And literally I have here in my notes at the 40 minute mark, I'm begging for something to happen. Please a revelation, a fight, anything, just please something happen. And finally um, I did forget to mention about the rabbit. Uh, One day when Sarah and Mia were coming back from school uh, there was a rabbit, just you know, a random white rabbit that didn't belong to Mia, just kind of sitting on her porch, just, uh, you know. And the rabbit turned out to be incredibly friendly, and she picked up the rabbit. Obviously, Sarah didn't really want Mia to keep the rabbit. It's a new pet that obviously Sarah's going to have to take care of, but Mia was insistent that the rabbit was here waiting for her and that she's not fighting, she's not struggling to get out of her arms. So uh, eventually Sarah does relent and lets her keep the rabbit. Um, throughout, there's one specific scene with the rabbit that could kind of explain wh- what I think the symbolism of the rabbit is, but basically, uh, basically, I mentioned a conversation earlier between Mia and, um, and Sarah, and they were talking about Sarah's father, who had recently died, and she talked about, uh, uh, Mia basically asked Sarah, can you come back from being dead? And, you know, Sarah's confused, like, what do you mean? There's no coming back from death. And she basically makes the comment that, oh, because Grandpa said after he died he would come back as a pelican so that he can watch you, so that he could mm-hmm. fly around and f- watch you and make sure that you're safe. I'm thinking that the rabbit is Grandpa because that rabbit fucking loved Mia instantly. And then there's a scene about halfway through the film where Sarah – wants to get rid of the rabbit. It's the middle of the night. She thinks that Mia is sleeping. So she actually opens the rabbit cage, the pen, and tries to get the rabbit to leave on its own. The rabbit has no interest in leaving. He's chilling right there in his safe little spot. Eventually, Sarah picks up the rabbit and is about to toss it over the fence outside of their property. And the rabbit bites her really hard and lands right at Sarah's feet, but doesn't run away it's like this rabbit isn't necessarily scared of Sarah so much as it it almost seems like it's just scared of being outside of Sarah's property for some reason. Kind of leads me to believe that, you know, this is grandpa. This is the reincarnation of grandpa. He vehemently wants to stay here so that he could watch both Sarah and Mia, make sure that they're safe, blah, blah, blah. Obviously as a rabbit, what could he possibly do if any danger did come up? But, I just, I just, the fact that this rabbit was an absolute sweetheart the entire movie, except for that one scene when it bit Sarah, yeah, it just kind of led me to start to believe after, like, like I said, after the movie sat in my brain for about a day, made me start to believe that maybe that's grandpa, maybe he couldn't come back as a pelican, he got rabbit, so there you go, Um and that also kind of leads to, More revelations about her family, we find out through pictures and um, other things that were hidden amongst Grandpa's possessions, which she basically boxed up and put them all in the the garage as soon as Grandpa died. Like, it seemed like there was no emotional struggle or anything. She literally just packed it, I mean, to the point where it even surprised her ex-husband he even made a comment like wow i saw the garage you, you packed up all this stuff quick what's going on blah 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 she didn't really answer the question but there it is um so yeah anyway uh where are we here in the story oh <laughs> uh, we let's let's go to the story uh let's go to the family um eventually mia who is claiming to be this person named Alice wants to go visit Joan wants to go. And, and mind you, she has never met grandma Joan. She has never met her only knows about her existence. Doesn't even know that they're in the same town actually, because Sarah tells her that no, she's far away. And, you know, she's being taken care of and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, as it turns out, she's actually not that far away. And She eventually does take her – take Mia to go visit her grandmother, and literally it's instant, the instant that Mia and Grandma Joan lock eyes, Joan instantly recognizes her as this girl Alice. Who is Alice? We're still trying to figure out who this fucking Alice person is. Um, She's calling her Alice. Mia basically is calling Joan mommy during this scene. So there's obviously – Something, you know, happening with Mia's mind or, you know, a potentially, is this a possession? Is this a reincarnation story? We're not 100% sure at this point. And then, finally, we get the revelation of who Alice is. And this really, like I said, I mentioned it earlier. This really fucking pisses me off about Sarah because... This entire movie, she's making Mia feel like she's crazy, like telling her, no, you're just imagining things, blah, blah, blah. But then comes the the, the revelation that, yes, when Sarah was a child, she had a younger sister named Alice. As soon as she said that in the movie, I started fucking seething. I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, literally for a half hour, you've been telling Mia to, you know, who is Alice, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, my God, you had a fucking Alice in your family. You know what she's talking about. But no red flags, no nothing. And then throughout the movie, and this just kind of shows Sarah's terrible parenting, Never, ever wanted to hear Mia's side of the story. Never wanted to ask her questions like, why do you think you're Alice? Or how about this? How about you ask her a question that only Alice would know the fucking answer to? A a fucking fifth grader would have thought of that. But here is this full-ass grown adult human who just is so racked with guilt about something that happened when she was a child that she doesn't even want to talk about it with her own child just literally just ignores her so yeah this is the part of the film where I'm really starting to lose my interest in Sarah and just I'm starting to think you know you kind of deserve this treatment because I at this point it's like I think I know where the story's going and if it goes where I think it's going you deserve this and more so where is the story go from here so um like I said after that she talks about how oh and then there was another thing too where where when there was one situation where Mia was acting like she was Alice. She was telling Sarah, don't call me Mia, my name is Alice. And then she actually said something along the lines of, I hate playing hide-and-seek with you because you always make me hide and you never come and look for me. You just leave me in the spot, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, if that's the truth, how is Sarah's red flags not going off? Like, there is no fucking way in hell that your daughter would know this information from your childhood. She's never spoken to Joan. Your ex-husband and his wife don't know that particular aspect of the story. They know some of the story, but not all of it, not the whole thing with, you know, the the trick, uh, hide-and-seek. And, and it just bothers me that right <laughs> then and there, Sarah doesn't, like, just make some kind of admission or something. Yeah. What's up, Mike?
1: No, no, I'm just kind of agreeing with you, mumbling yeah. my agreement.
2: <laughs> That's what I mean. This, this, oh God, there are multiple parts in this movie where I just want to strangle Sarah. It's like, God damn it! What the? Why the fuck are you withholding this information? Yes, your child is seven. Okay, but at least be open and honest with her. And like I said, ask some questions. Try to figure out convincingly is this actually Alice or is she working on information that she got from a third party? There's a simple solution for that, but she obviously missed it. Blah, blah, blah. So anyway, after all that, you know, there's, there's more scenes with Sarah and um, her and Sarah and Mia kind of not getting along. Eventually there's a scene where Sarah thinks she sees an injury on Mia's head. Um, There's like a a bump on her head, a bruise, and it's bleeding. It's actually bleeding pretty profusely. So – She's trying to figure out what happened to Mia, so she grabs a pair of scissors. I, I'm assuming she grabbed the scissors with the intention of cutting some of her hair off so that she could get a better look at the actual wound, but Mia is struggling and fighting so much that she's literally cutting her daughter into ribbons. Like, she cuts her on the arm like three or four times, Um, eventually she cuts her on like drastically a gash on her forehead. And then she kind of snaps out of her delusion. And we see that Mia is fine, except for the cuts that her mother just gave her with the scissors. You know, the head injury is gone. The original head injury that, that Sarah thought she saw. So, you know, this is where we start to think, Oh, maybe this is an unreliable narrator. Maybe Sarah has mental health issues and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, she ends up having this situation with uh, with Mia where she's cutting her up by accident. Well, you know, sort of by accident. Um, and the whole time I'm yelling at her like, what the fuck are you doing? You're, you're going at your daughter with a pair of scissors and she's struggling, but you're going to continue to try to get in there? What? The, what? Just the decision making on this woman. Just very, very poor. Uh, let me tell you. Okay, so um, finally... What ends up happening is we get our big reveal. We get our big flashback reveal, obviously given to us in the form of a flashback. It's actually edited pretty well, I will say that, because it's kind of edited between the past and the current. Like, there'll be spots where Sarah will turn towards the camera and she'll be an adult, but then the camera will spin around her and then she'll be back to child Sarah, um, you know, kind of showing us the, uh, the info in the flashback, the reveal. So what we get in this reveal is that one day, uh Sarah and Alice, uh, her younger sister Alice, when they were kids, were playing hide and seek. So we actually get the fucking confirmation that what Mia said about hide and seek was actually true. And again, no reaction from Sarah, but whatever. Um we find out that one day Sarah did do this to um her younger sister Alice. They were playing hide and seek. Um Alice decided to hide in like a um like a cabinet, like a clothing cabinet. And, uh, basically Sarah locked her in there and then just went about her day. Didn't even, you know, bother to, you know, do anything about it until much later in the day. Later in the day, we can see the sun is starting to come down and we see Sarah, um, kind of going back and forth between young Sarah and, and present day Sarah. And finally she, she opens up the, the bureau and, out comes her sister with a wound on her head. You know, she's she's bleeding a little bit because it looks like she was struggling to get out of the cabinet. She basically says, you locked me in there again. I'm so sick of you, lunges out of the cabinet and starts to strangle her older sister. Now, obviously, a 7-year-old girl trying to choke, what, like a 10- or 11-year-old girl, eh, maybe not going to be the most successful. Eventually, Sarah just kind of reaches out and grabs, like, Uh, A closed bear trap. It's like one of those, it's not quite a bear trap. Maybe it's like a rabbit trap, but it's it's one of the smaller ones and it's closed. It's not open. She grabs it and just bashes her sister Alice in the head. Alice is now bleeding profusely and it has eerie similarities to the injury that she thought she saw on Mia earlier in the movie. Um, so basically Alice starts running away out of the barn and running away, uh, just trying to get away from her sister. Her sister is chasing her. Sarah is chasing her with the rabbit trap still in her hand, almost like she's like being a serial killer, almost like she's with the intention of killing her. Finally, um, Alice gets to like the edge of a cliff, uh, overlooking a lake that they have there on the property she um she turns around and there's sarah you know and sarah does end up dropping uh the animal trap um so it almost looks like maybe we're going to get you know a a slightly friendlier end to this but nope uh just as alice is about to say something like uh, or she screams i think yeah she she basically lets out this blood curdling scream and yeah we see sarah basically push alice off the off the cliff onto the lake And throughout the film, we're told that Alice went missing. Um, No one ever found Alice's body. No one – and obviously Sarah's not going to admit what she did, um, you know, to her parents – Um, there was obviously a sense of jealousy because Sarah is kind of a, you know, plain Jane looking person and Alice, much like Mia is this beautiful little girl that you can tell is going to grow up to be this statuesque, beautiful woman, you know? So maybe there was jealousy involved, whatever the case may be, but this is what I'm talking about. We never get a reason. We never really get any kind of conversation about their relationship, like what Sarah and Alice were like together growing up. Um, so there's no real, we, we get no reason why Sarah would just out of nowhere bash the shit out of her own sister, other than the fact that she was trying to choke her. But again, tiny hands are not going to choke you successfully if she would have just taken a second to think. I don't think she would have needed to grab a fucking piece of metal and bash her in the head with it. Uh, and then, of, of course, this kind of explains a little bit more about why Sarah doesn't want to be around her own mother, Joan. Um, Joan, at this point, has dementia and Joan still thinks that Alice is alive. Everyone still thinks Alice is alive. I mean, her father died thinking Alice was still alive. You know, everybody thought Alice is still alive, just missing, like she was kidnapped or something. But here's Sarah with the information that everybody was looking for and just kind of living with it her whole life. So... It's funny because the movie almost opens up – it almost starts, like, it with a slightly Baba Duke feel to it, you know, with the single mom trying to yeah. raise her not-great child. <laughs> I, um, uh, go ahead. In
1: general thoughts, I one of the things I was going to say in general thoughts, but I thought it might be too much of a spoiler, is, like, it it feels like the Baba Duke without a Baba Duke almost. <laughs>
2: no, that's valid. Absolutely. But I was afraid well, I mean, that that a, would
1: give away a little bit too much.
2: Yeah, exactly. And like I said, um, I I may have forgotten to mention that we actually do see Alice in a spectral form multiple times in the film. Not outright, like, out in front of the camera, but maybe, like, in the background, you'll see Sarah talking on the phone. And then you'll see, like, an out-of-focus image of a young girl behind her just kind of standing there. So that's why I was kind of confused on whether this is a reincarnation thing, this is a possession thing, like, is Alice possessing Mia and that's why Mia thinks I'm not Mia, I'm Alice, blah blah blah. I mean, it like I said, uh, a lot is left uh, unexplained.
1: Yeah, I was I I've watched a couple um reactions and read a couple of reviews after the first time I watched it and some people were hypothesizing that um the rabbit had to do something with like the possession and Alice coming back cuz like rabbits have been used in like other movies as some type of, like, supernatural form of, or, like, um, uh, as far as, like, that type of thing happening, mm-hmm. and I think, like, I'm, I'm trying to place, like, when the first time we see the rabbit in the movie, if that corresponds with, like, when kind of, like, the Alice stuff starts happening with the kid, um, like, I know some no, people, about, like, because like,
2: yeah. the rabbit's a little okay, yeah. in the film,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, we get that shot of, like, uh, in the tomb or whatever' where, like I can't tell like it's like a tracking shot where it's like black, and I don't know if we see like a foot or if that's what was supposed to be the rabbit in there um i I can't, even watching it the second time, I couldn't tell what it, we saw like a very brief like movement in in the darkness of it, and I couldn't make out what the hell it was supposed to be um but yeah, so yeah, so we get the reveal, and like so she she killed her sister. But like, I wish we got would have got more background. Like, was it? Because like, I I don't think the movie made it clear. Like, is it because um, she's just a horrible person? Was yeah. it just an accidental thing where like, the big sister got too rough and like overreacted when she pushed her off the the cliff? Because and, and like I wanted to see like more from like the the grandma, the one that gets diagnosed with dementia more like in kind of like the aftermath or we didn't even get much that like led up to like what was the relationship between the sisters leading up to that yep. because I, I feel like with the with our main uh, character Sarah we don't know other than like the actual thing that happened like the incident we don't know much about her as like a child to, to yep. really set us up for like what the hell happened because it, it could just be repressed grief and guilt over it Or is there more to it because she's just a bad person? Like, we don't really know.
2: (laughs) And then the way that the flashback was revealed to us as the viewers almost made it look like it was, like the memories were flooding back in. Like like Sarah had somehow blocked it out and had forgotten that she had killed her sister. Because you kind of see the reactions on her face as she's replaying the events in her head as we're watching them for the first time every now and again it'll show like reaction shots of present-day sarah and she's almost in shock like almost like she forgot that she did this and that all like i said all the memories are just rushing back and she's starting to realize oh shit maybe i am a shitty person or you know whatever the case may be um which is odd like i said again they don't really explain that to us. Like is Sarah just evil and she's just really good at pretending to be a good person. Is she a good person who did one bad thing that she regrets the rest of her life to the point where she mentally blocked it out and forgot that she did it. So yeah, again, unanswered questions all over the place.
1: Yeah. And the, the mom or uh, the grandma going through dementia, we do end up getting a scene where, yeah, she almost reacts to Sarah like she had suspicions that she had done something. Yep. So I'm like, I wish, I wish we got a, we would have got flashbacks exploring that because I'm having trouble placing the movie. But I, oh man, it was like a similar movie when like a sister went missing. Oh shit, what was it? Oh man, it was something from a couple of years ago, I think. And I know we did it on the show, but like a similar situation with a pair of sisters where. Like, one went missing, but we actually got, like, a little bit more stuff from, like, the family, where it's, like, the family, we get scenes where it seems like they almost half think that the surviving sister did have something to do with it, but they're conflicted, because it's, it's like, well, we still have this daughter, how do we go about, like, being a family post this? But we don't get much of that, other than when the grandma has, like, her dementia outburst, where she obviously is having some type of repressed memory of life after the sister went missing and it seems to me that like they had an inkling that maybe the oldest sister had either maybe not that she murdered her but like that she had some fault in the little sister going missing
2: exactly another thing i wish they would have given us was maybe just a short scene after alice disappeared like i would like to know How did Sarah act? Like, was she pretending to be, like, the crying, sad sister? Like, oh, no, woe is me. My sister is missing. Or did she have maybe a dark streak that potentially maybe one of her parents noticed? Like, why is she not sadder at the fact that her younger sister just went missing, you know? That might have given us a little bit more background on Sarah's character, at least as a child, you know? Um, Like I said, the ambiguity with the information in this movie is just a little too overboard, like I said. I mean, this movie isn't a murder mystery. It shouldn't be that fucking ambiguous. But I guess technically it kind of is a murder mystery, isn't it? Just kind of a weird, uh, you know, um, predictable one. Okay, so anyway, back to the stupid movie. Uh, (laughs) um, After we finally see this revelation, um, Sarah ends up doing two things. She ends up going to see her mother one last time, one last visit with her mother, and basically – Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I skipped the scene. I skipped the vital scene, actually. Um, at one point, Mia goes missing. She ends up just kind of running away from home, um, just, you know, kind of sick of her mother, it's, you know, and the whole Mia slash Alice thing and everything else, not letting her go visit Joan when she wants to, all that shit. So Mia ends up disappearing. Um, they, at one point, Sarah thinks that she sees Mia in the lake, the lake at the bottom of that cliff um, that I mentioned in the flashback. And she actually just jumps in the water without even, you know, that's the one good parental thing she did in the movie. She thinks that her daughter was under the water, so without even thinking, she dove right in. But what she ends up seeing is the dead body of her sister down there. And, like, logically, I know a body can't possibly survive in water for (laughs) 25-plus years. That shit would deteriorate it would be nothing but bones and teeth by that point. You know, every fish in that area would have had a free meal. But after this happens, which like I said, it's kind of presented to us as an unreliable narrator, like, like the guilt of what she did to her sister and the realization that, you know, the, the fact that she's remembering all of this again, maybe that's her guilt showing her her dead sister's body under the water. But what's weird is right after that scene, She goes to visit her mother, and her mother almost seems lucid, like there's no dementia, and she kind of sees the look on Sarah's face, and she instantly asks, they found Alice, didn't they? And she says yes. Like she actually, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if this is her kind of just placating her mother, or did she actually see her sister's body down there? I don't know, like I said. But, um, yeah, she basically tells her mother that, yeah, Uh, Alice was found and yeah, Alice is dead and you can kind of see the mom kind of come to terms with it that, Oh, you know, we, we finally know for sure. Yes. My daughter is dead. You know, she's no longer missing, blah, 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 which really struck me as odd. It's like, if, if this was just a a hallucination, why would you go admitting it to your mother? Granted, you know, your mother has dementia now. It's not like she's going to testify against you in court. No one's ever going to believe her. So not that big a deal. Um, but, it just felt like a weird scene to follow right after that scene where she thinks she sees her sister's body in the water, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, we end up getting that revealed or that, you know, her kind of admitting to her mother that, yes, Alice is gone. Obviously, it doesn't tell her how Alice was killed by any stretch. She's not going to admit. She's not ready to admit that much quite yet. Um And then we get another scene with Mia later that night. And, again, it's one of those moments where Mia thinks that she's Alice. And, finally, after fucking more than an hour and a half of yelling to this mom, why don't you just play along with the Alice thing and try to extract some information, finally, she starts to speak to Mia as she's Alice. And she tells her, I have something to tell you, and it's kind of bad. You know, Mia slash Alice is like, what? And she's like, I hurt you. I hurt you when we were kids. I hurt you really bad. It was an accident, and I'm very, very sorry. Mia Mia slash Alice doesn't really react all that violently or anything. She basically just rolls over and falls back to sleep. But the next morning, um, Sarah wakes up, realizes that Mia is not in the house, and then she looks out her front window, and she sees, for the first time, she actually sees Alice, and she's holding hands with Mia, and she's basically leading Mia. They're walking hand-in-hand hand to the cliff where Sarah killed Alice. Now, uh, Mike kind of mentioned this, you know, the the, the kind of helplessness of this character, because she doesn't really run out of the house instantly running after Mia and Alice. She kind of stands at the window just yelling, kind of screaming in slow motion, no, 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 blah blah blah. And basically our final shot of the movie, we see Alice walking Mia, they both turn around to look at uh to look at Sarah in the window still in her house. Um to look at her through the window and they both kind of give her a, this sly little smile, not almost like a Mona Lisa smile, just a very subtle little smile. They both turn around and continue walking towards the cliff and then fade to black. And that's the end of our movies. So yeah, like I said, the movie leaves you with so much. Was this a possession story? Was this a reincarnation story? Um, is Alice actually there walking Mia To the to the edge of the lake, you know, to to basically extract her revenge on her sister's child, which seems odd because it's like, why would you punish the child for something your mother did? I understand that ultimately it's going to it's more of a punishment to the mom because she now has to live with the fact that, you know, her dead younger sister killed her daughter. Obviously, no one's going to believe her um, if she tries to tell that story. But she has this realization now. So. And again, and then I heard another interpretation online saying that Mia never existed, or not not that Mia never existed, that Mia's dead before this movie even starts. That this whole movie is just a guilt trip, um, both of the fact that she killed her own sister and then potentially maybe even killed her own daughter out of anger or, you know, some other random reason because maybe they're setting up that Sarah is just a bad person, but doesn't want to admit that she's a bad person. She tries to justify all her actions by saying they were accidents or, you know, things like that. So that's yet another interpretation, um, which is just as valid, honestly. I mean, ultimately there's other people in the movie that see and talk to Alice, uh, excuse me, to Mia. So, you know, to say that she was never there, it's a bit of a stretch,
1: but you know, I I could buy that Mia at some point in the movie was killed because of the mom's actions. Because you could interpret that ending with, uh, with Mia and Alice kind of holding hands and walking towards the cliff. You could make – or I would buy the argument that at that point they're both like child ghosts kind of like walking off yep. into the
0: horizon. That's
1: fair. But Ooh. to me there's just too much interaction with multiple characters – to say Mia never existed in the whole movie—that that,
0: hmm. I don't think
1: I could go with that.
2: It literally just popped into my head, but do you think maybe she killed Mia during the scissors scene?
1: Maybe she that's accidentally. Uh, yeah. Right. So maybe she I accidentally killed her with the scissors. scissors. Specifically. <laughs> could be, could be. that. Yeah. That Could be. It's a valid interpretation. Yeah. That was because when you mentioned that's what, that's what I was thinking because like we definitely see legitimate physical injury on Mia from that scissor scene. And you could say, Hey, that final scene was like the mom's retribution of basically seeing like the results of her actions out the, out of the house. And maybe that's why she's crippled and can't crippled from like leaving the house because they're both guys. Yeah. So she couldn't just run after her kid. Cause it, like, if, if that was like the main thing I was thinking during that scene, was like, uh, is there a supernatural force preventing you from, like, going out of your house? Because I'd be running after my kid right there. Right?
2: I mean, I wouldn't have even taken half a second. Once I see that shit, they're walking away. I'm booking out of the house. So it's it definitely leaves you scratching your head, like, you know, what the hell's up with Sarah? But at the same time, that's starting to make a lot more sense that maybe Mia's already dead at that point in the film, and maybe she passed away during the film somewhere and they just didn't inform us of that because ultimately, you know, Sarah is our narrator. We're following Sarah. She's the protagonist of the film, even though she kind of turns out to be the antagonist, honestly, but yeah. Um, So yeah, there it is folks Um, run rabbit run a lot of potential, a very nice looking movie with an incredible score. Like I said, this movie does not deserve this score. Like, the, <laughs> I, the, the, after watching this once and rewinding it multiple times, I'm like, this score is, this is like somebody got John Williams to do the score of a trauma movie. It, it doesn't make sense. But, yeah, there it is. The score is way above this movie. And everything else about the movie, like I said, is okay, and then it's a matter of the storytelling. Just, it, is it going to work for you? Is it not? Doesn't seem like it worked for any of us, but, you know. I'm not completely blind to the fact that somebody may love this movie and maybe it speaks to them more. And hell, I would love to speak to that person because I'm always down to to hear, you know, other um, opinions that vary from mine just because, you know, maybe they might enlighten me on something. I don't know. But, yeah, the point is uh, just too slow, too long to get to anything mildly exciting And then even when we do get to it, it's lackluster. And like I said, a reveal that most of us will pick out at least a half hour before the movie, you know, uh, reveals it to us. So what can you really say? And ultimately, that final, final scene could have been a lot better. You know, the whole Mia and Alice walking away. There's multiple interpretations in my head. Maybe not interpretations, but multiple tacked on scenes that could have been added to the end of this movie that would have been like, ah, you know, they they would have been the, the light bulb going off of, oh, shit, okay, I get it now. Whereas ultimately the movie just leaves you with more questions than answers, which is too bad. But there it is.
1: Yep. Um,. But being the number one on Netflix right now, there's certainly a lot of opinions out there. So uh, if you listen to the show and uh, you want to share yours, go ahead and leave a comment, either on the post on Facebook or YouTube, because it'll be in both places. So um, tell us why we're wrong, right? Somewhere in between. Either way, (laughs) we appreciate it. Um, Okay. Well, Don, did you have anything before we uh, wrap up this uh, episode?
0: Yeah, no, I, I I think I tried to chime in maybe once or twice, but you guys covered what I was going to say, so I kind of never – I just kind of backed down.
2: You got to <laughs> shut me up, Don. Once I get going, it's hard to get me
1: to stop.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, with that said, yeah, uh, let's uh, find out where else we can be heard and what's uh, new. So uh, I'll start with Venom. What do you have out currently?
2: Um, only a couple of new things for me. Um, I finally did record my guest spot with uh, the Joe Blow Horror Show for their, for their summer series. They decided to tackle the Resident Evil franchise. And I was tasked, I should say I selected, because they were nice enough to give me the option of movie, I selected um, Resident Evil Apocalypse, the second film in the franchise, which, spoiler alert, is my favorite in the franchise, so if you want to find out why... Check out that episode of Jacked Up review or excuse me, not Jacked Up Joe Blow Joe Blow review show wrong wrong uh <laughs> wrong podcaster. Um, so yeah, that should be out sometime later in the summer. I mean, it's already July second as we record this, July third actually. So I'm sure it'll probably be out sometime this month. And when it is released, I'll give everybody the heads up. And then I can finally say that No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts. Number 18 is ready. As you hear this episode, it should be available. On that episode, Derek, Don, and myself looked at the brand-new Taiwanese um,
0: creature feature.
2: Thailand, not Taiwanese. That's right, Thailand. So Thai, so Thai. The the brand-new Thai creature feature. The lake, which is getting a lot of buzz um, on VOD right now. Uh, that like i said the episode is available as you're listening to this one it should be on the same feed so check that out that'll also be on youtube sometime after the 4th of july um and that's pretty much it's that's pretty much it for me uh the main show got postponed there was a scheduling snafu this weekend so um fingers crossed we can get uh the next episode which is what 54 or 55 somewhere in that range uh Hopefully get that recorded this coming weekend and get that out to you, you know, hopefully before the end of July, for fuck's sake. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: and then Mike and I are uh, getting going to be getting together soon to record episode four of the Crystal Lake Gift Shop, so look out for that one as well. I'll obviously keep everyone posted there, and that's pretty much it for me.
1: All right, Dawn, uh, tell us what you got.
0: Yeah. Um. As he mentioned, we've got the latest creature comforts available for you all, which uh, was a lot of fun. I do have uh, no uh, updates for the uh, two films, two projects that I've been uh, complaining about for what seems like ages now. So uh, no need to go further with those. But uh, again, keep an eye out for those whenever they may drop, because uh, I'm probably going to be just as surprised as you are when they do. And uh, the only other thing I have is the latest episode of the Horror Countdown, where, uh, speaking of uh, Jerry's earlier snefu, I had uh, the guy that hosted a jacked-up review show, <laughs> just in a, a complete coincidence there, but uh, yeah, he showed up and we did our top ten anthologies, which uh, was a lot of fun. So yeah, I uh, guess that's I have. pretty much just me. <laughs> I
2: have a lot to say about that episode, Don. I listened to it last night after I, I, I went ahead and watched the movie. Because horror anthologies, I absolutely adore them. But <laughs> I have so much to say, but I don't know how much I want to say actually on air. Um, yeah, tell I, me I often. Yeah, I am because I, you know, I don't want to offend anybody you because know, ultimately I do – um I, I i like the show i like the guest that he had on the show i've worked with him in the past he's a good guy at least he's a good guy to me but uh yeah holy shit oh <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah every time he would give a new pick my my eyebrows would rise even farther than the last time <laughs> <laughs> holy shit <laughs> oh anyway god bless him did
1: you pick up the creep show 4k
2: I did. I picked it up yesterday. I have not watched it yet because I just watched Creepshow like a month ago, but I watched Creepshow multiple times a year. It is in my top ten all time. I fucking adore that movie. So, yes, it was a no-brainer that I had to get that 4K. Have you watched it yet? Any good features?
1: I haven't watched yet. I did pick it up, but because my birthday's in a week, I was kind of saving it for a birthday watch, so if I can hold out another week... um... Then I will. Like it's it's, it's tough because because of the, having four days off in a row, and I'm constantly seeing it sitting there. I've had a few moments where I was just said, "F it, I'm gonna just throw it on anyway." And if I feel like rewatching it on my birthday, I will. But I've I've been able to have the willpower to just say, "Nope, I want that new fresh 4K watch as a like kind of birthday gift to myself," because <laughs> I kind of consider it like an early birthday gift to me. Because you know I'm not. I'm not quite the collector I was 20 years ago so I try to be careful about what I actually buy but Creepshow is like one of my favorite horror anthologies of the whole time it is one that like I'm not just buying it to put on a shelf like I will be watching it at least annually so I want to give myself that nice birthday 4k watch it's
0: nice
2: I have definitely shifted addictions over the last five years. All I would say about 90% of the money that I used to buy on that I used to spend on movies. And I'm talking, I would buy like two or three movies a week for myself. Um, Most of that has now been taken over by Funko pops. And yes, I know. I'm sure there was a collective groan out there, but I fucking love my Funko pops. I've, I have over 300 pieces in my collection now. That's going to be going up, obviously. And I'm actually planning on opening a store, uh, probably an eBay store or some kind of online store, because um, as much as I love my collection, I'm an old man, and I know I could keel over tomorrow and leave uh, leave Mrs. Venom with over 300 pops that she's not going to know what the fuck to do with. (laughs) So, yeah, the intention is to kind of resell eventually. Um, start up a store, you know, Mr. Venom's Pops and stuff, or something stupid like that, and uh, see what I can, you know, because obviously these are an investment. I don't open any of them, you know. I've got a shit, I mean, more than half of those 300 pieces are horror. I have pretty much most of the horror um, Funko Pops that are available, multiple versions of a lot of those. Like, there's, like, four different versions of, like, the Leprechaun. I have them all, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I have a problem. I am a corporate whore. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah I uh, I have some So here here's how I kind of do it Like if it's just like the standard issue Pop Well this is back when I was still working in the office I would open it and display it but if I buy any mods I will not open them or touch the seal or anything because yeah i figure those are eventually they're going to be a little harder to find out there so if there's any of them that are gonna like dramatically rise in value it's all the mods and you know store exclusives and that kind of thing
2: exactly yeah the store exclusive the chase i i now have a small collection of autographed ones i've got a zach galligan autographed um gremlin Doug, i have two doug jones pops uh one the amphibian man from shape of water the other one uh the fawn from pan's labyrinth both of those are signed by doug i've got a jason i've got an original jason number one signed by ari Lehman. and i don't know if you guys have ever seen ari, ari Lehman, of course being the first person to play mm-hmm. jason in the original movie um he when he autographs stuff he actually draws a picture of young jason drowning so he actually drew that entire picture on the front of my funko pop it's fucking great uh so yeah wow. like i said it's that that's the addiction that's kind of taken over for movie buying cuz it's true I mean, before the creep show 4k that i recently bought ugh, i i honestly don't remember the last movie i bought before that it would have been earlier, way earlier in the year. So yeah, I've shifted my addictions.
1: <laughs> Man, you gotta take a picture of that J- that Jason pop because I wanna I wanna look at it.
2: <laughs> i Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'll put it in the chat.
1: <laughs> All right, uh, Don. Was it just a countdown show that you had to share?
0: Yeah, because like I, I said, I, to, I, yeah, I didn't
1: mean to cut you off.
0: No, I, <laughs> I, I like off. I said, I I'm still like I, I'm still waiting on my uh, guest bots to come out. So, yeah, those things are recorded three, four months ago now. So, I, I don't know when they're coming out. Um, I mean, they are recorded. I know that they're there. But I don't know when they're coming out. This their first time with my first time on the uh, specific show. So, I don't know the release schedule from recording date to release date.
1: All right. Cool. Um, as far as I go, yeah, nothing new. Just uh, slumber Party Massacre. Uh, guest spot. So if you, if you haven't listened to that, check that out. And then, like Venom said, we will we should be getting underway with the next episode of uh, Crystal Lake Gift Shop anytime now. I, I think that the funny thing is it's like I think all three of us are like we're constantly saying we're ready to do it. and We just haven't actually stated a date. Uh, that's all it's going to take. And then I'm sure all three of us will be like, yep, we're good because it's not a hard thing to prepare for. So we'll get that figured out soon. Um, and then as far as the next episode of Fresh Cuts I think, doesn't ins- the new Insidious, Insidious. open? Yep. Insidious,
0: Yep. Insidious 5.
1: All right. Wow. <laughs> Insidious 5. Um, so yeah, with, that goes without saying that, uh, that'll be the next episode. So, uh, if you are a fan of the franchise, uh, you'll be, uh, hopefully interested to hear what we have to say about the fifth, yes, fifth installment and the insidious franchise Woo-hoo. but until then yeah until then we're gonna get out of here thank you everyone for listening i will catch you next time let's say bye to our listeners
2: later i don't have anything clever to say so take care folks
1: yeah don't push your siblings off cliffs and you might lead a better life after <laughs> do i need to
2: say that does that need to be said <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you Apparently think for the bitch in this movie you do. <laughs> Yeah. Later on. I guess kids in horror movies don't have much foresight about how murdering their sibling could affect the rest of their life. So. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Peace.